Coming up today on the 414 Sports Podcast, the world was waiting for a trade in the NFL, and it got one, just not the one everybody thought it was going to be, and we're going to talk about it. College basketball is in the midst of March Madness, and of course, that means upsets. We'll get to that. There's Major League Baseball news. There's NBA news. A ton of stuff going on. We're talking about it next. 414 Sports Podcast. Here we go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Once again, everyone, this is the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillas. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Google, Apple, Spotify, or any of the other platforms we currently reside on. We are glad to have you with us on what is a Friday, March 18th, in the midst of the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I know one team would love us not to say anything about it, and that's the Marquette Golden Eagles, but we'll cover the disaster that was Marquette's opening round matchup against North Carolina. Look ahead a little bit to the Badgers as they'll take on Colgate right here in the city of Milwaukee at the Fiserv Forum. We'll get into some NBA news, some Major League Baseball news now that the Labor negotiations have been settled, and we're back to actually talking about baseball and not about a bunch of men sitting around a table trying to figure out how to dot the I's and cross the T's in order to get the thing up and running. So we'll get to all that as the podcast continues on this episode. But we start with some NFL news. And the NFL was waiting patiently yesterday at the time of us putting this podcast together for Deshaun Watson news. Everybody had anticipated Deshaun Watson was going to make up his mind seemingly now between New Orleans and Atlanta. Those seemingly are the two teams that are in the forefront to get Deshaun Watson and kind of assimilate him into their program still with a number of civil lawsuits that have yet to be decided, but once the criminal aspect of it was deemed not something that the courts would pursue, now suddenly NFL teams are making their way through and trying to bring Deshaun Watson in. And as I said, it appears right now at least it's between Atlanta and New Orleans, and that's what everybody was on pins and needles about. And then last night, little after 6, maybe 6.15 or so, breaking news comes across the desk. There's been a trade in the NFL, and everybody, I think, got on the edge of their seats thinking, ah, here we go, where's Deshaun Watson going? Instead, we find out that Devontae Adams is headed to the Las Vegas Raiders. And I'm going to apologize right now. If I say Los Angeles or Oakland before the Raiders, 
it may happen in the course of this podcast, even though the Raiders now have been in Las Vegas for over a year. It's one of those things I just have a hard time wrapping my brain around initially, but hopefully I won't make that mistake. But Devontae Adams, as I said, headed to the Las Vegas Raiders. Four years, 141-plus million upon his arrival. So Devontae Adams got what he wanted. He got paid. But he's getting paid in Las Vegas. And so the storylines over the next few days are going to be rather interesting. Because it appears, by reports put out this morning by all of the usual sources, that the Packers were willing to pay what Las Vegas was offering Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams just has reached his limit, I guess you could say, with playing in Green Bay that he wanted out. And so he got just that. So Devontae Adams is going to be reunited with Derek Carr, his college quarterback at Fresno State. So the next question will be this. It's the old, is it the chicken and then the egg or the egg and the chicken or however the old storyline goes that my father used to tell me about when I was a kid. Did Aaron Rodgers make Devontae Adams who he is or did Devontae Adams help Aaron Rodgers get to the last two MVPs? And I'm sure the answer lies somewhere in the middle. But if you go somewhere in the middle, that does not make for good podcasts or good radio, right? So that's going to be the storyline moving forward. Derek Carr now, with Las Vegas, has arguably the best receiver in football. And with a new coach, can they make this all work? Now, Derek Carr, as I said, and Devontae Adams played together at Fresno State. The Mountain West is a little bit different than the AFC West. So we'll have to see how Devontae Adams handles all of this and will he have the same type of connection he had with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams talked about it all the time. They could just kind of look at each other and know exactly what the other was thinking and where the route should be run or where the ball needs to be placed, whatever you want to describe it as. He's going to have to build that with Derek Carr, even though they have a relationship. But that relationship is resuming and not in the process as Devontae Adams' relationship was with Aaron Rodgers. Then we have to stop and think about, so what type of receivers do the Packers now have and what are they going to do with the draft picks that they got. So now, with the trade, the Raiders had to give up a first and second round pick. That just doesn't seem like a whole lot with regards to Devontae Adams. I honestly thought there was going to be more. Now, there are some reports that say there could be a player involved in this, that there could be another draft pick involved, but the initial report is that a first and second round pick for Devontae Adams. So again, who does Aaron Rodgers throw to? I have to believe that the Packers have plan B in place. Like there are receivers out there like Juju Schuster, say that five times fast, that they could bring in as a veteran. 
One thing we've seen over the years, it takes forever for Aaron Rodgers to build trust with young receivers. So you can draft all the rookies that you want, and you might be able to get some very, very talented rookie wide receivers in this draft, and those receivers may pay dividends down the line. But how long is it going to take Aaron Rodgers to get to the point where he trusts them? That's a huge thing with Aaron Rodgers. And we can only go back to the playoffs against San Francisco. Third and long, Devontae Adams double covered. Two receivers streaking across the middle wide open. And who does he go to? Devontae Adams. Because he trusted Devontae Adams, even in double coverage. How long will it take for that trust to develop? The report is also that Aaron Rodgers knew this was coming, that he was not shocked by it. He was not, you know, not told by Goody that he understood that Devontae Adams did not want to be with Green Bay. There's an underlying soap opera line to this, a storyline to this, that I think is going to be coming out in the near future. The fact that the Packers offered Devontae Adams the same contract as the Las Vegas Raiders, the fact that Devontae Adams just did not want to play in Green Bay anymore, the question will be why. And I have a feeling it'll take a few days, a few weeks, a few months, whatever the case may be, before we get that answer. But to me, that's the storyline right now. Players move. The interesting part in this one is why. Why would you leave when you have the best chance of getting to a Super Bowl out of the NFC North with Aaron Rodgers at the helm? What was it that ticked you off? What was it? that made you step over that proverbial line and say, you know what, I'm done, I'm not coming back, that's enough. Did you feel slighted because maybe too much of the negotiations were put in the camp of Aaron Rodgers to assure that he would come back before they talked to you? Was was that the case? I don't know, I'm speculating. That's what we're going to hear a lot of in the near future until the stories start to roll out as to why Devontae Adams decided to go. So again, Devontae Adams, the trade news that broke when everybody else was thinking it would be Deshaun Watson, it ended up being Devontae Adams, who now is a Las Vegas Raider for four years and $141.25 million. Best of luck to uh, number 17. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. All right, so March Madness in full swing. Anybody else's bracket done? My goodness, it never ceases to disappoint. We'll talk about it next. This is the 414 Sports Podcast. Let's get back into it. As we said, it's March Madness. It's one of the best times of the year if you're a college sports fan. 
as the tournament is underway. Now, we started the tournament off yesterday as the time of us putting this podcast together. Friday's games are just now getting underway. But for us here in the 414, yesterday was all about Marquette, the anticipation of Shaka Smart's team getting into the tournament, getting a nine seed, and getting set to play the Tar Heels of North Carolina. Now, North Carolina, who has played better down the stretch, has had a year a lot like Marquette, a little bit of up and down. So you had to figure one of the teams may show up with necessarily not having their A game. We all hoped it would be North Carolina. Instead, it ended up being Marquette, who fall to the Tar Heels, 95-63. to 63. There is not a facet of that game against North Carolina that I think you could put in the tape in that coach's room right now and say, hey, we did that well yesterday. There were times defensively Marquette's rotations were spot on and almost spectacular. And we've seen it time and time again this year. There are moments when that team is playing at its optimal defensive level. It's almost like watching ballet. And we saw a little bit of that, well, I'll say the first seven minutes. You get to the media timeout. You don't get to that first media timeout till about 13 and change. And Marquette was only down two. They were down 10-8 at the media timeout. And before you knew it, North Carolina goes on a 20-2 run. And by the time we get to halftime, North Carolina is beating Marquette 53-25. to They out-hustled. They out-rebounded. The number of second-chance opportunities that North Carolina got on the offensive side of the floor were just three of the nails in the coffin for Marquette. Now, Marquette, I guess if you're going to look numerically, played a little bit better in the second half, only being outscored 42-38, to but it led to a final which read 95-63 when all is said and done. So unfortunately, once again, what do we got? We got a Marquette team that made the NCAA tournament but was unable to get through the first round. And for me personally, that's all I was looking for for Marquette. I needed Marquette to get through that first round. Get that proverbial monkey off your shoulder. Get through the first round. Whatever would happen in round two happens but you got that first-round win, and we can start thinking about moving forward. It was something that Shaka Smart struggled with at Texas, trying to get that first-round win, and here we sit again waiting for Marquette to get a tournament win. Marquette has not had a tournament win since 2013. It's been nine years now since Marquette has been able to get a tournament win. And Marquette, let's face it, had a very successful season. Regardless of what we think about that opening round game in the tournament look like, the fact that they were able to get the wins that they got throughout the Big East, finishing 19-13 and 13 now as we wrap up the year, they, they went through what we were calling that gauntlet in January unbelievably well, 5-2 and two against some powerhouse opponents. But once again, and I can't explain it, don't know what it is. It happened under Coach Wojo. It happened this year, I think, under Shaka Smart. That team looked tired down the stretch. They looked tired the last couple regular season games. You saw it when they had to go to Chicago and play DePaul. You saw it in the Big East Tournament. 
and you saw it again yesterday. This team looked tired, and I don't understand why. Other teams in the Big East go through a similar run as far as the schedule goes, and they don't look as exhausted as Marquette does seemingly over the last three or four years. So Shaka Smart flipped the script, so to speak, with Marquette quicker than I think many people thought. The hard part is the last game. Now, with the exception of one team, everybody loses their last game. And the way Marquette lost, though, I think is what's going to be the lasting image. Losing to North Carolina by 32 is going to be a tough one to swallow. So we put Marquette in the rearview mirror, and now we look forward to Wisconsin, who will take on Colgate. That game, as we're putting this podcast together, will be this evening. It's the late game at Pfizer Forum. A Colgate team that's won 19 out of their last 20. A Colgate team that can shoot extremely well from beyond the arc. And with all that said, it should be a game that Wisconsin has the ability to dominate. But Wisconsin has this premise of allowing teams to hang around that Wisconsin tends to play to the level of their opponent. We need Wisconsin tonight to what I said on our show on the fan last night. Here comes shameless plug, Journey House College Sports Show, 1250 AM, the fan here in Milwaukee, that I need them to get mentally healthy. Like, I think physically, with the exception of bumps and bruises, I think everybody's doing okay physically, at least for this time of the year. It's mentally That was a team that took it on the chin in that final home game against Rutgers, did not look like themselves against Michigan State. I think mentally it's going to be important for the Badgers to come out strong early, get some buckets, watch that ball flop through the net, get your confidence back. Don't let Colgate in this thing. You know how to defend. This team plays remarkable defense. So I'm not necessarily concerned about what Colgate can do On the offensive side, are they going to get some shots? Of course they are. It's basketball. I'm more concerned with can Wisconsin regain their confidence on the offensive side of the floor. When that team gets out in transition, when that team runs its offensive sets, when Johnny Davis finds a way and he's going to be double teamed, he's going to be double teamed the rest of the tournament. When he can find a way to get some others involved, which then restructures your opponent's defensive set, when that occurs, that's when Johnny Davis will flourish again. And if all of those things kind of meld together, since we're looking at the finals in New Orleans, like you get a good jambalaya going with everything dumped into it and mixed properly, that's what the Wisconsin Badgers need as they take on Colgate tonight. But as always, the tournament is wonderful for upsets, and I'll need the Badgers to be upset But yesterday, the biggest upset of the evening came after, first, we get those 12 fives going again, and we see Richmond beating Iowa and New Mexico State beating UConn. But the big one was last night as St. Peter's takes down Kentucky 85-79. to It was one of those games that I think absolutely floored everyone. We had a couple of close games. Gonzaga was in a close game until half and then ran away with it in the second half. The fact that St. Peter's kind of hung with Kentucky, you were like, okay, good showing. You didn't get blown out. You didn't pull a Marquette. 
you hung in there, you're playing well, now we'll wait for Kentucky to step on it and throw it into a different gear and run away with this thing, and they never did. And here's what happens sometimes with a team like St. Peter's, a team like Richmond, some of these other mid-majors. A lot of these teams have seniors. They have guys, in this case, that have been around for four years, that have played together. There's chemistry. There's maturity. And you're playing a team like Kentucky who's got unbelievable talent, but they're all very, very young. And so when things start to get a little bit rough, sometimes your youth gets in the way of your success because mentally you're just not able to put it all together. That's what makes this tournament something special is the the fact that you see some of these mid-majors, teams that have had players that have, again, played together for three or four years that have senior leadership on it, and they're able to prevail against a much more talented Kentucky team. I don't think anybody who follows college basketball would argue that Kentucky from top to bottom was a much more talented team than what St. Peter's put on the floor, and yet St. Peter's executed, they hung in there, and they were just mentally tougher than what their opponent was last night. So we'll get a bunch of upsets again today. You know we will. And as I said, hopefully it won't be Marquette. I'd like to thank Kentucky because my bracket is gone. My bracket is gone. I had Kentucky in the Final Four, even though I didn't have Kentucky making it to the championship game. So there's still a little bit of life. But I had Kentucky winning a bunch coming out of that quadrant. And by them losing to St. Peter's, my goodness. That just, that just throws my bracket into a tizzy. So I want to close out with this. This is always, to me, the funniest part about March Madness. You can analyze, you can look at all the analytics that you want, but you'll get a team like St. Peter's that will upset a, in this case, highly ranked number two seed Kentucky Wildcat team. And they're the ones that throw you for a loop. And then I think about my daughter, who really doesn't follow college basketball who said to me the other day, Dad, I entered the ESPN tournament just because I wanted to. I said, okay, what was your criteria in picking? I like team colors, and I like upsets, and that's what I'm going with. So last night after Kentucky falls to St. Peter's, she walks over and says, guess what? Now, this is ESPN, what, six, almost 17 million people entered that particular bracket challenge. And my daughter, who went on uniform color and loving upsets, is now in the top 3% as far as ratings go, as far as wins go, because of how she went about her choice. And so with that said, I get a text this morning, and I'm going to share part of this with you, from the professor, Dan Underberg, who I co-host the college sports show with here in Milwaukee. And this is from Cheers. And so if you just simply take out football, they're talking about football, but you replace football with basketball, you kind of see what life is like in my household right now. Okay, right now on the top of the page, you're Bears against the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Now, we have a home field advantage, which means that you got to be serious. Bears just like that? Well, of course, Sam. A bear against a dolphin. <laughs> I mean, that's not even a fair fight. 
Okay, now what about those Dallas guys against Atlanta? Okay, all right, all right, all right. Atlanta, Atlanta. Uh, what color uniforms do they wear? Color? Yes, the color will tell you the winner. Red beats blue, blue beats yellow, yellow beats small. <laughs> you telling me that you're gonna pick Atlanta over Dallas because of the color of their uniforms? Dallas, who up until last week had won six games in a row? Who beat them last week? Washington. And what color was Washington wearing? None of your business. <laughs> so once again, that's cheers, courtesy of YouTube. And thanks to Professor Dan Underberg for sending that to me. Because if, again, you you erase the word football and throw basketball into that little monologue, that little uh, scene there from Cheers, y- you've got exactly what's going on around here over the last couple of days. All right, let's move on from the world of college basketball. Let's talk some NBA and some Major League Baseball as we wrap things up here on the 414 Sports Podcast. And we'll get to it all in just a sec. with a little Bucks and Brewers talk. The Bucks. Li- listen, let's just put it this way. Please, 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 if you are a fan of anything with regards to the Milwaukee Bucks, if you're just a sports fan in general in this city, whatever you do, do not take Giannis for granted. This is generational what we're seeing with Giannis. What Giannis has been able to do, the stats that he's putting up night in, night out, the type of individual that he is for this city, all of these elements that we've always wanted for a player, as far as our home teams go, we have it in Giannis. So whatever you do, don't take Giannis for granted. Because what he's doing on the floor and off the floor in this city is absolutely everything that we wanted and hoped for as far as a superstar goes playing for your home team. And so Milwaukee, since the All-Star break, let's face it, the Bucks have simply, I think, and again, this is just me, I think we're on a bit of cruise control. And I know I've mentioned this before in the podcast, that there was a time where the Bucks were really concerned about having the best record of the regular season, about getting a number one seed. And then it didn't necessarily transform or carry over, I guess I should say, into the playoffs. And so we saw last year, it was about, yeah, you got to win some games. You want to be in a certain uh, segment will will say within the postseason as far as where your seating is, but taking care of business in the regular season, though important, is not always maybe as necessary as what it was deemed in the past. 
And since the All-Star break, we're watching a Milwaukee Bucks team that is now kicking it into another level. If you go back to March 8th, they beat the Thunder 142-115. to 115. They put up a buck 42 on the offensive side. Followed it up with 124 against Atlanta, beating them 124 to 115. Yep, they did fall on the road to the Golden State Warriors, who are going to be without Steph Curry here for the better part of potentially a month. So keep an eye on what happens with Golden State as far as their seeding goes. I heard somebody on the Four Letter Network today talking about if they fall and having to maybe play Denver in the opening round and seeing how well Denver has been playing as of late and getting healthy as well, what that matchup could do. So many people were very high going into the latter part of this season on the Golden State Warriors, and rightfully so. They're playing some remarkable basketball, but the injury to uh, Steph Curry is going to be one that's going to be obviously looked at closely to see how that team will go. But then now the Bucks, winners of their last two out west. Does anybody remember what it used to be like when we would send our teams out west and how you just prayed maybe they'd win a game? On Monday, they beat the Jazz 117-111, and then on Wednesday of this week, they took down the Sacramento Kings 135-126. to So the Bucks now making a push down the stretch here as we get closer to playoff time and the fact that now Brooke Lopez has been cleared and is working his way back into game shape, that that was seemingly one of the missing components with this team at various points in the year trying to find somebody who could clog the middle. And I know it was financial, but boy, we had it in Boogie Cousins when he was with us and then had to be released again due to the financial concerns. And what he's done um, out West has shown that he can still play. And the fact that he was loving his time here in Milwaukee, it would have been nice to see the Bucks be able to find a way financially to keep Boogie, but they didn't. So now Brooke Lopez coming back into the mix after going through that back surgery back in December. Let's hope that that missing piece is what the Bucks need to try and defend and maybe get back-to-back champions when we talk about the NBA. Let's turn our attention real quick to baseball. Has now the labor dispute has been resolved. We've got teams getting ready to fully report to spring training. We had our opening days pushed back just a little bit. We're going to get a 162-game schedule. We are going to see some doubleheaders. We're going to get a full season of baseball. And once that all was signed and the dies odded, the dies odded, the I's dotted, and the T's crossed, free agency gets into full swing. And the Brewers made a move on Monday to pick up Andrew McCutcheon, the former MVP from 2013, as he was a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates, is getting set to join this Milwaukee Brewers team. Now, one of the things that we're getting this year as part of uh, the labor agreement is the fact that now the National League is going to have a DH. So you get somebody like Andrew McCutcheon who can play some center field, but primarily I have a feeling we're going to see uh, at the DH spot. But what it does is provide a respite for he and Lorenzo Cain. So you can have either of those two playing center field while the other is DHing. I think it's a great fit right now for the Milwaukee Brewers. 
that not only will it be a great fit on the field, I think it will be a great fit off the field. I think Andrew McCutcheon will be just amazing inside that locker room with that team as the Brewers now are starting to have those pieces in place again, hopefully, to make a run once the postseason comes. There was a time, and for those of you who've been Brewer fans for a while, you remember those times where you just kind of kept your fingers crossed that hopefully some things will fall right and they'll get into the postseason. Now, over the last few years, we have a team that's postseason worthy that just needs to figure out a way to get to the World Series. Almost like Marquette needing to figure out how to get that first-round win in the NCAA tournament, now we just got to figure out how we can get the Brewers into a World Series. Obviously easier said than done, but the talent, again, with this franchise is there. It's going to just be a matter of putting it, obviously, together and then getting a little bit of luck uh, as things play out throughout the season. So at least we'll be talking about baseball with a full slate of games coming up in the not-too-distant future. All right, time for us to get up out of here. You enjoy the rest of the tournament this weekend. Let's hope the Badgers can win tonight, and then maybe it'll be either LSU or Iowa State on Sunday, and hopefully we'll be talking about the Badgers making a run at the Sweet 16. I'm Don Wachillis. Thanks so much for logging in and joining us. This has been the 414 Sports Podcast. We'll be right back.